Welcome to this BJSM podcast. My name is James Walsh and I'm here today with Dr. Ian Beasley and Dr. Shabazz Miguel. Ian is a legend in football medicine, having started in the late 80s at Leighton Orient. Ian is the head of the FA Medical Services and I'm very pleased to welcome him here today. Shabazz is Tottenham's team doctor and has a long and distinguished career starting at Leighton Orient and working his way through the FA youth medical system. Uh, Ian, would you like to talk us through uh, what the concussion guidelines are and why they're needed? Um, Concussions big in the news at the moment, as you know. Uh, I think that we have dealt with head injury and concussion not too badly in the past, but we haven't had a formal guidelines written down um, that follows the consensus guidelines from Zurich. Uh, and that's what we've got now. And I think the, the basis is that there has to be a really good education program. But on top of that, the management of concussion is that if there's any suspicion of concussion, uh, the player should come off and not continue that day. The doctor has to make that decision. There should be a return to play after concussion has been diagnosed that it follows the consensus guidelines and that takes at least six days. It should be a graduated return to play just as with any other injury and this is a brain injury. Um, concussion is cumulative probably and so that we should make sure that we screen players beginning of the season and we follow players should they have a concussion. I think if a player has more than one concussion it's important that they see a, a urological specialist and be properly assessed at the end of the season and probably at the beginning of the next season. Shabazz, you're obviously at the spiky end of dealing with implementing these guidelines. Have you found implementing them in your role as Tottenham doctor? Well, um, I think I'd echo Ian's comments in, in the need for the guidelines. Having said that, they um, we've always followed the zero consensus and that is our uh, blueprint for what we follow in terms of how we manage concussion and return to play. Now, the difficulty that, that has been highlighted recently uh, over the past season, certainly, and again in the World Cup, have been the number of high-profile incidents where we felt that we needed to make sure we could do as much as possible to stop this happening in the future. So what was it that you've actually done? What, what, what are the new guidelines, if you could talk me through them? The um, a, a working group was set up, and I think um, Ian was obviously the lead on this, and he can uh, give us some more information about the uh, the genesis of the working group. But certainly, the recent incidents were maybe a catalyst for this, uh, and this included stakeholders at, uh, in football at all levels. So it included people from the Premier League, the FA, uh, the Premier League Doctors Group, the PFA the LMA and the Football League and the idea was to get a, a, a uniformity, a harmony throughout football in how we manage uh, these incidents. Uh, Ian, if, you would, if you'd like to elaborate. Well, I, I think that's right. I think that what happened was uh, um, on the back of all these incidents uh, there was a call really for the whole of football to get its house in order. As I said before, it wasn't that we weren't following the guidelines but I don't think it was formally written down. I think we all thought it was really important that all the stakeholders in football came together and looked at this problem because the whole thing that Shabazz rightly mentions is that even though the doctor may make a decision on the field, the fact that the player, coaches and referees weren't all educated in the same way and had the right opinion about what should happen with concussion meant that players stayed on when they shouldn't have done. 
and that's why we got all the stakeholders in. Plus, we are uh, we are some experts from other sports um, to sit on the group and and give us their advice and their experience. So you've had input from other sports. What what, what areas were they from? Um, I noticed that rugby, uh, horse racing, potentially were. were and, and an eminent neurosurgeon uh, that works at University College, Peter Hamlin, who has pretty extensive. Uh, experience in sport concussion. Oh, the one thing uh, the one thing we should say is, is that, of course, yeah. the Premier League Doctors Group chairman was on this committee, um, and the Premier League Doctors voted for another person from the committee, from that group rather, um, to sit on the committee, and that person was Shabazz. So, Shabazz, as you were the person voted onto that committee, could you talk through the recommendations and, and what should happen in these situations? Okay, so... Um Perhaps the most pertinent recommendation was a change in the Premier League rules and this was in the wording of um, making sure that the doctor or most senior medical practitioner assessing the player at the time that their decision is final uh, in whether the player continues or not following a head injury. Um, so therefore that, that was sort of set in stone that it has to be a medical decision that is final. Um, subsequently, the other recommendations included uh, adding baseline testing. So uh, whether this is in the form of the sport concussion assessment tool, which is uh, the third version now, um, or uh, the other neuropsychological testing aids. And this was uh, an idea where you're tested at baseline, so ideally in pre-season. So therefore, when there's a return to play, you can gauge what the player's baseline was and that can help inform the decision in return to play. Um, there was also the recommendation for all medical practitioners pitch side to carry with them the pocket concussion recognition tool. And this is uh, in a laminated form that is sent to all uh, medical practitioners. And the idea is really to, at the time where you're doing the assessment, you can actually refer to this directly to make sure that no signs or symptoms are missed and the relevant Maddox questions are asked. The other recommendation in, in the Premier League um, was from this season that it was mandatory to have a tunnel doctor or a match day medical coordinator. And this is a doctor which is uh, present on match days to be able to help both teams. Uh, many teams already had a doctor employed in this position, but now it's become mandatory. And the group felt that this doctor could also help uh, the team doctors if there was any incidents where a TV replay may be accessible to them and they're able to see something that perhaps the team doctor couldn't see at the time. So the team doctor may well be doing an assessment based on what they find when they go to the player, but further information can be relayed to them which can inform the decision and make sure that um, a loss of consciousness is not missed. One question that might be of interest to listeners is in the situation where a player has been concussed, and we saw it in the World Cup where England were playing Uruguay. Um, there can often be quite a lot of pressure, both coming from the player and coming from the manager, about them staying on. Often players may be insistent that there's nothing wrong with them. Without stopping the game for a protracted length of time, how, how can this situation be managed properly? Uh, well, I think you've got to step back from the acute situation and say, why are we here? Why is there a dispute? And there's a dispute because the education programme around this has not been as thorough as it could have been over the years. 
And I think that one of the big things from the Commission, and I know Shabazz was instrumental in this, is that the education coming from that, that we can get trickled up and down to all leagues uh, and into the international programme, is important in as much as unless everybody understands what damage can be caused by concussion, then everybody's going to encourage players to go on, especially players. And we want players to play, but we don't want them to play in an unsafe way. We want players to play, but we don't want the coaches to encourage them to do that. And we can only manage that situation by making sure education is as thorough as it can be. Should there be a, a change with the way that substitutions are made? Should, for example, uh, play be stopped or um, having a rolling type substitution the way that they do in, in rugby? Well, we all think that'd be a great thing, uh, but we can't see it coming anytime soon. Uh, and of course, it's always leveled at people in the game that people will be able to use that in order to change tactics, change players, make sure you've got a penalty taker on in the last five minutes of extra time, things like that. So I think those things have to be examined really closely before you change the rules. I think it's it's coming in that maybe in international competitions there'll be a, a short time where the referee stops the game and allows the doctor on to make a proper assessment. But this has to be away from the pressure of coaches, teammates, and almost you have to disconnect from the player themselves and make the decision and it has to stick. The officials have to support you. And it, it, if we just go back to Ian's point about education and awareness, so this was one of the major recommendations of the working group, and as such, uh, we have brought out a campaign which is called Use Your Head. And this is in the form of posters, which are a first-person perspective of what a player may be seeing, so it's a sort of dazed view, and it just the aim is to highlight players, and it will be up in the dressing rooms, um, to highlight to players that concussion is a major issue, head injuries are a major issue, and it's not something that should be downplayed. And the more we can increase the awareness of it, and it's the same concept, we, if you go into a changing room, you see posters about respecting the referee, um, kicking racism out of football, and it's just keeping that awareness in the in the consciousness of the players the staff, the management, everybody involved in football so that they know that this is a major injury, a major issue. And just because you don't see it like you do perhaps for a broken leg or a torn ligament, it doesn't mean it's not there. And it, the education is the key. There are, there are also we've brought out Z cards which are being sent to all the football clubs to be handed out to the players. And these have key points and key symptoms and signs that players need to be looking out for. So it's almost uh, um, facilitating and empowering the players themselves. So if they see a colleague with suspected concussion, that they too are uh, guiding them and, and saying the right things to them rather than going away from that old notion that it's brave and you're, uh, it's some sort of badge of honour to be carrying on playing when you're obviously concussed or you've been knocked out, which it has been in the past. Yeah, I agree. I think it's really, it's just the most important thing. I think there are two images in football that I think everyone knows uh, that works in the game. One is Terry Butcher with blood down his shirt, and that must be 30, 35 years ago. And the other one is when you go in a dressing room, um, there's a picture of a ball with a lump on it and uh, saying, when's the last time you examined your balls? Now, to me, I saw that in every dressing room I went into. Well, I want to see the same 
uh, about concussion. And you know, the the campaign that we that we started with a, with the concussion group, uh, I think, has been worthwhile. Really, but what we've got to do is get it down to the rest of the game. I think in the Premier League and the Football League, yeah, I think we're we're getting there. But grassroots, they still know nothing about it, and so I think it's very very important we get that campaign down to them. How does football itself get that to trickle down? Because obviously when you're working with very high-value players, the clubs are incentivized to look after their, their assets, but at a lower level, the pressures are probably greater to, in some ways to keep players on the pitch. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, Sunday morning football, any park in, in the capital, there's loads and loads of kids of all different ages playing football. Um, We've got to make sure that the dad's taking those teams, the coach is taking those teams, the school teacher's taking those teams, all understand about concussion and make sure that each player that, that has a suspected concussion gets checked by a doctor. And unfortunately, that means a trip to A&E sometimes. But that's the safe way to do it and that's what we've got to encourage. So the education, uh, it empowers the, the parents, the referees, um, so that everyone is aware. And that's, I think, the key key point from... The whole uh, concussion group has been that the awareness and education program is the key and it's the one thing that we can really um, influence as much as possible. Recently uh, in America we, there's been a high profile uh, lawsuit from a group of so-called soccer mums around the use of heading the ball by children. How would you guys stand on that? Do you think that that's a, an issue for football that needs to be changed? The soccer moms in California are trying to sue FIFA um, for not having guidelines about heading the ball in youth football. I've asked the uh, the coaches at the FA, and what we do is we we teach young people how to head the ball using a balloon first. We make sure the neck muscles and their shoulder girdle muscles are strong enough to withstand heading a ball. Um, heading a ball isn't encouraged in, in youth football like it used to be in the good old bad old days. The, the truth is we, we don't really know whether heading the ball does cause any damage. You've talked about the importance of education. If we're looking across the board from uh, all different levels of football, how would medical staff from all different areas uh, get up upskilled with this area? Well, certainly as a um, doctor, it's your responsibility to be aware of any pitch side emergency that may arise uh, if you're covering a game. And I think the, and Ian would agree with me, the days of um, a doctor or any pitch side practitioner turning up and um, being ill-prepared or not expecting anything to hap happen are long gone. And now it's uh, a time where the fact that you're there, you're there to provide a service and you've got to expect the unexpected because these things happen and they happen frequently. Um, so in terms of our preparation, we have annual area courses, so that's the Advanced uh, Resuscitation and Emergency Aid course, which is actually run by the FA. And as part of that course, we go through a whole host of pitch side um, emergencies and management, and that includes the management of head injuries and concussion, um, and obviously as part of your CPD, in-house CPD, so within clubs we will discuss our emergency action plans. So we have in place for any match day situation, any training ground situation, an action plan of how we deal with each and every major medical emergency that may present itself and where our pathways would be in terms of um, treating the player on site or managing, the, managing 
managing them off-site in a more definitive facility. The FA has a, a first aid pathway really for a basic first aid for sport right up to the FA area uh, course which is really only for doctors, physios and sports therapists. So really it's uh, approved by the Faculty of Pre-Hospital Care of the Royal College of Surgeons of Edinburgh and it, it's not, n not everybody passes. I mean it, it, it's quite a pressurised course when you do it and the scenarios that, that we do during the area course are really everyone looks at you and observes you, examines you very critically. So I, I, but I think it's a great course um, and every year now people have to be re-accredited uh, and that has to be uh, kept up uh, in order for the club to have UEFA registration. So if your doctor, if you're in a Premier League club and your doctor doesn't have, area, isn't up to date with area, then uh, you won't get UEFA registration for competition. So it's a really important thing and I think it's, it's you know, we have to keep on with that. Head injury, concussion, very important part of it and will get bigger. I think that we have to make sure that everyone understands what's going on. And Shabazz is right, when I first started in football, I used to sit up in the director's box. Everybody in the Premier League and in the Football League either sits on the bench or has immediate access to the pitch now. And again, Shabazz is absolutely spot on. Um, all the medical defence unions say that uh, if you turn up to a sporting event and you're not fully trained and equipped, then if anything goes wrong, it, it's your fault. So, it, you know, woe betide you if you turn up unprepared. We've talked a lot about education of medical professionals and how they need to be up to date with how to, how to deal with concussion. How would you approach educating the player about the importance of, of recognising concussion in themselves and in their teammates? Well, as part of um, the recommendations from the concussion and head injury working group, uh, one was to make sure that club doctors give presentations to not only the rest of the medical staff, but also the players and coaching staff, and basically all those involved uh, at your club level. And we've been given access to the the tools that um, are available, available from the group, so uh, the posters, the Z cards. Um, but it's up to us as well to just explain to the players why this is such a major issue. And it's the getting across those key messages to players uh, where in the past maybe they would have had different ideas about what a head injury entails and, and um, whether it's brave to continue after a head injury or not. This has been a perception in the past and as Ian said earlier that iconic image of Terry Butcher with his uh, head wrapped um, and blood all over his shirt um, we want to get away from that we want to get away from the concept that is brave it's actually not brave it's foolish and you're putting your health at risk um, we also want to get across that head injuries can be very dangerous it's not just concussion but they can be um, intracerebral bleeds there can be skull fractures so you've got to respect the injury. The other thing is because you can't see the injury doesn't mean it's not there. Um, you've got to follow a return to play protocol so that if you are diagnosed with concussion then you have to follow this protocol and there's no sort of two ways about it. You can't cut corners, you can't because you're feeling better the next day decide oh, I'm fine now, I don't need to follow the protocol. So everything, the more we educate the players about this hopefully the the better their understanding gets and the better their understanding uh, with each other 
and then they can support each other rather than um you know if someone has got a head injury and and they're almost stigmatized by it but we want to get away from that concept we need to educate players that they're constantly monitored post a clash of heads or a head injury that they may not exhibit signs and symptoms straight away but because they're constantly monitored this may develop and it may develop in a few minutes or it may develop in a few hours so it's just getting that message across to them that just because you're okay at the moment doesn't mean that you're okay in the next few hours. So you've yeah. laid out very clearly uh, the changes that have been made at the top level of the game and hopefully are going to trickle down throughout throughout um, football. Where would you say the future lies in this area? What what changes do you see on the horizon? I think there's a there's a whole raft of things, but you may know that the the NFL have uh, just settled for uh, three quarters of a billion dollars uh, for for eighteen thousand ex players who have chronic traumatic encephalopathy, which is in the in the old days used to be called dementia pugilistica or punch drunkenness. I think that um, that feeling has has been around football for some time, but the research as to whether dementia and and uh, associated issues uh, is more common in ex-footballers just isn't there. I think we need to we need to make sure one because if it isn't, then we can reassure people uh, at least to say that it wasn't football that did this to them, and two that if it is there, then we need to find out why it's there and is heading the ball an issue, is getting knocked out three or four times in your career an issue, is a genetic predisposition. So we need to find out all those things and then we'll, we can advise people better. It's a bit like arthritis in ex-footballers. We think it's more common, but no one's actually shown it yet. So do you have research projects lined up? Yeah, so what I'm in the middle of at the moment is trying to recruit an expert panel to sit down and find out what those questions are. Although we will be instrumental in, in perhaps funding such a such a project, I don't think that the FA can run such a project. That has to be an academic institution that designs and runs a study properly. And it may take a few years before we get any answers, but I think we need those answers. It has to be done properly. And at the end of it, uh, as far as you can, the, the evidence has to be looked at and be unassailable. Okay, so if you've got one take-home message for our listeners about head injuries in football, what would that be, Ian? Listen to your advice, um, and if there's any doubt that you might have a concussion, you come off and don't go back to playing. Shabazz? I would echo what Ian has just said. Definitely listen to the advice. Don't be brave, don't be foolish. If you suspect concussion, you have to come off. Please. Brilliant. Thank you both very much for that. You've been listening to this BJSM podcast. We've been talking about head injuries in football. My name's James Walsh. I'd like to wish you all a very physically active day.